With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Liberty Ginger podcast. I am your host, Mike Ursery, and you are listening to the very first episode of this podcast. The Liberty Ginger podcast is the newest show to join the Think Liberty Network. You can find the Think Liberty Network at most places where podcasts are hosted to include iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Stitcher. I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I am a journalist by trade. If you're a fan of Think Liberty and you enjoy reading their content, then you might recognize my name. I have been contributing to Think Liberty for the past three months, uh, doing mainly news pieces. I've done a couple of opinion pieces here and there, but the main thing I do for Think Liberty is I contribute news articles, uh, international and national both. In fact, I had one drop this week. It is about Jamal Khashoggi, the Saudi journalist who disappeared in Turkey at the beginning of October and his whereabouts, and even if he is still alive, are still unknown. Now we're going to talk about that in this episode, but first I want to talk about what the whole point of this podcast is going to be. Now, as I said, I I do news for Think Liberty, and this podcast is going to be kind of the same thing. It's going to be a, uh, a news roundup type of show. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to recap all the news from the news cycle each week. This first episode is premiering on a Saturday, and a new episode will drop every Saturday to recap everything that happens during the week. The weeks can get really busy. You might not be able to pay that much attention to the news during the week. You might be able to pick up on things here and there but you may not be able to really pay attention to it. Not to worry. You have the weekend to catch up on news and you have this podcast to help you catch up on everything that's happening. Now, I'd like to say, first of all, that I picked one heck of a week to premiere this first episode. Uh, If you are familiar with everything that's been this week, uh, you might have seen that Elizabeth Warren made a big announcement at the start of the week, uh, saying that she has evidence that she has a Native American ancestor and that she, in fact, is telling the truth that she does have American heritage, um, only to find out later that the evidence really is not that strong. You might have also seen the following day on a Tuesday... The president of the United States of America had a Twitter feud with a porn star. Now, this is the same porn star. It's Stormy Daniels. Um, A big announcement was made in her defamation case against the president, and we're going to get into that as well. And then we're also going to talk more about the situation with Jamal Khashoggi, his disappearance, and not just the information, but also the lack of information surrounding all of this. So let's dive right in. The week started 
first thing Monday morning, Elizabeth Warren, senator from Massachusetts, tweets out a video. And in the video, it starts out with Donald Trump making attacks at her about her background, calling her Pocahontas. Uh, Donald Trump has said many times that Elizabeth Warren is lying about her Native American heritage. He calls her things like Pocahontas. He calls her a fake Indian. So she she drops this video and it goes into where it's interviewing her her three older brothers uh, who are all Republicans. Uh, the person in the video is asking them how they feel about Donald Trump's attacks, and they're all saying that it's disrespectful and that it's ridiculous. I mean, he's not just talking about Senator Warren. He's also talking about them since they are related to her. And then Elizabeth Warren starts to tell the story about how her parents met. They met in Oklahoma. Um, she said that her father fell head over heels in love with her mother and that they wanted to get married, but her father's parents were strongly opposed to it because her mother was part Native American. But even though his family did not approve of the marriage, uh, her mother and her father, they eloped when they were both really young. And her mother gave birth first to her three older brothers and then to her. And then she kind of goes into a brief telling of her life story about growing up. And then she goes on to talk about how she got married. Uh, she had two kids. She graduated from law school. She got divorced, got remarried, and then she started teaching. One of the attacks against Elizabeth Warren during her political career is that while she had a career in academia, she had used her Native American heritage to advance her career. In fact, in this video, there is a clip of Sarah Huckabee Sanders saying that she said that those exact words. She used her Native American heritage. Or I'm, I'm sorry, as you were. She lied about her Native American heritage to advance her career. Warren says herself in this video that she did not actually do that. She never used her background to, ad, to advance her own career. And not only that, but also in the video, there is a series of interviews with several people who say the same thing. I won't go on too much about that part of the video. It is still on her Twitter account at Elizabeth for MA. So you can go and watch that video for yourself. But now there is one part of the video where she is talking on the phone with this geneticist, a man named Carlos Bustamante. Uh, Carlos Bustamante explains himself as a person who has advised companies in direct to consumer space, including Ancestry.com, 23andMe, and Helix. And in the video, she is talking to him on the phone and he is explaining to her that he found in her genome a, a Native American ancestor that's in her pedigree. So she dropped this video on Twitter and along with the video, she also dropped a series of tweets that were aimed at Donald Trump. And she begins by saying, my family, including Fox News watchers, sat together and talked about what they think of at real Donald Trump's attacks on our heritage. And yes, a famous geneticist analyzed my DNA and concluded that it contains Native American ancestry. I get it, Donald Trump is afraid of facts, but I'm not. And the facts are clear. A deep, independent investigation shows my background played no role in any job I got. I never expected my family's story to be used as a racist political joke, but I don't take any fight lying down. 
I want you to have the power to fight lies with the truth. So here's a new site for you to review every document for yourself. And she drops a link to ElizabethWarren.com. Elizabeth Warren's heritage played no role in her hiring. And then she continues on. By the way, Donald Trump, remember saying on July 5th that you give a million dollars to a charity of my choice if my DNA showed Native American ancestry? I remember. And here's the verdict. Please send the check to the National Indigenous Women's Resource Center. NIWRC is a nonprofit working to protect Native American women from violence. More than half of all Native women have experienced sexual violence, and the majority of violent crimes against Native Americans are perpetrated by non-Natives. Send them your $1 million check, Donald Trump. I took this test and released the results for anyone who cares to see because I've got nothing to hide. What are you hiding, Donald Trump? Release your tax returns, or the Democratic-led House will do it for you soon enough. TikTok, Mr. President. Having some memory problems, Donald Trump? Should we call for a doctor? Here's something you won't forget, Mr. President. You're the least popular president in modern history, and your allies will go down hard in the midterm elections. 22 days. TikTok. TikTok. We all know why Donald Trump makes creepy physical threats about me, right? He's scared. He's trying to do what he always does to women who scare him, call us names, attack us personally, shrink us down to feel better about himself. It may soothe his ego, but it won't work. Bottom line, my heritage played no role in my hiring, ever. The Boston Globe reviewed all the evidence. Their verdict? At every step of her remarkable rise in the legal profession, the people responsible for hiring her saw her as a white woman. I won't sit quietly for Donald Trump's racism, so I took a test. But DNA and family history has nothing to do with tribal affiliation or citizenship, which is determined only, only by tribal nations. I respect the distinction and don't list myself as a native in the Senate. And then she posted several more tweets that were aimed at the president. Needless to say, Elizabeth Warren, on that Monday morning, Senator Warren, she came out swinging. And I'm talking haymakers. And then all of this started to hit the news. And if you remember some of the headlines from Monday morning, uh, for example, ABC News, their headline said, Elizabeth Warren reveals proof of Native American ancestry. From CNN, Elizabeth Warren releases DNA test with, quote, strong evidence, end quote, of Native American ancestry. From the Associated Press, Senator Warren, DNA test shows I have Native American heritage. Now, the whole reason why she did this, uh, it's pretty clear. She wants, she's, well, I guess I'll say she's considering a run for president. Uh, and not only is she considering a run for president, but she's also considered being a front runner in a field of Democrats that are going to run in the next primary. Uh, they're saying there could be as many as 25 people. Uh, some of the names that have been considered so far who could run could be former Vice President Joe Biden, uh, California Senator Kamala Harris, New Jersey Senator Cory Booker. Uh, Bernie Sanders has even considered making another run for president. And then Elizabeth Warren. So, And Elizabeth Warren is one of the biggest names in that field. So it's very possible that she could she could be the one who wins the nomination. Now, if she were to be the nominee and she's going to run against Donald Trump, 
it's not just that she's running for president. It's that she's running for president against Donald Trump. And if you have an election between Donald Trump and Elizabeth Warren, all you're going to have is from from coming from Trump and coming from the GOP, you're going to have attack after attack, calling her Pocahontas, calling her a fake Indian. They're going to continue that narrative that she used her background to advance her academic career. And so she put this video out to lay all of that to rest, to get all of that out of the way so that it can't be used against her later on. This was really to not just not just to give her confidence, but to give the Democrats confidence going into this next primary. And the immediate response to this from the left was pretty big. You had a lot of people on the left celebrating because Elizabeth Warren really stuck it to Donald Trump. She really stuck it to Trump and she shut him up so he could stop talking about making all these racial slurs, calling her Pocahontas, calling her a fake Indian. And then as the day went on, well, I'll put it this way. If you're on the left, your Monday morning started out pretty good. But then as the day went on, your day probably got progressively worse if you were really following the story. If you're on the right, your day probably started out a little concerning and the right was pretty quiet when this happened. But then if you're on the right, your day as as the day went on, your day probably got more and more hilarious. Now what happened was this Native American ancestor, it turns out lived six to 10 generations ago. Now, one of the publications to put out this story was the Boston Globe. And originally the Boston Globe had said that she was at best one thirty second Native American and at worst one five hundred twelfth Native American. But then someone realized that they did the math wrong. And after redoing the math. Now, I'm not going to knock on anyone for getting math wrong because, frankly, I suck at math and I reinforce the stereotype that a person who generally is pretty good at writing is really bad at math. So I'm not going to knock on anyone for getting math wrong. But whenever they did get the math correct, it turns out that she was, at best, 164th Native American. And at worst... One 1,024th Native American. Now, if at worst she is one 1,024th Native American, then that would mean that that's only 0.09%. Uh, that's not even 1%. It's hardly a trace. Now, the whole thing with... Now, one of the whole... One of the things with Donald Trump is that... He spoke at a rally back in July, and he was talking about if Elizabeth Warren were to be the nominee. And one of the things he was saying was that if she could take a DNA test and prove that she is, in fact, as Trump said, an Indian, he would give a million dollars to the charity of her choice. Uh, he stood at that rally and he said, I will give you a million dollars to your favorite charity 
paid for by Trump if you take the test and it shows you're an Indian. Why does Donald Trump speak in third person? Can anyone explain that? He he tweets that way too. He talks in the third person. It's weird. But now, now uh, one of the things that was saying that that was being said was that, well, it's not really strong evidence, so maybe Donald Trump shouldn't have to pay a million dollars. And he even walked back that promise during uh, during the day on Monday. Uh, all he told reporters was go back and read it again. Uh, he was walking back the promise that he wouldn't have to pay the million dollars like he said. Now, she did take a DNA test, and it did show that she does have a Native American ancestor. So technically, technically, you could argue that you know she did win that bet, but let's look at it this way. Just for the sake of taking all the bias out take elizabeth warren out of it take donald trump out of it let's just say you have two people two strangers person a and person b person a claims to be a native claims to have native american heritage person b says prove it prove it i bet you a hundred dollars we won't even say a million we'll say a hundred bucks prove it I bet you $100 that you can't prove it. If you do, I will give you 100 bucks. So person A goes and takes a DNA test, and the DNA test reveals that they are only one 1,024th Native American. Is that, really, is that really strong evidence? The headlines that morning were saying, uh, one headline said, quote-unquote, strong evidence of a Native American background. One 1,024th, 0.09% really is not strong evidence. In fact, that evidence is so not strong that Elizabeth Warren's momentum died fairly quickly after that, after that math correction came out. Uh, in an article from The Hill, the tide on Warren's feel-good narrative began to turn by early afternoon on Monday, however, after the Boston Globe issued its second of two corrections to their original story on Warren's ancestry, citing math errors. Later in the day, the Cherokee Nation delivered what appeared to be the decisive blow to Warren's claim, calling it inappropriate and a mockery. Using a DNA test to claim to any connection to the Cherokee Nation or any tribal nation, even vaguely, is inappropriate and wrong, said Cherokee Nation Secretary of State Chuck Hoskin Jr. in a statement. It makes a mockery out of DNA tests and its legitimate uses while also dishonoring legitimate tribal governments and their citizens, whose ancestors are well documented and whose heritage is proven. And as if conservatives and or Trump supporters needed any more motivation to get to the polls in three weeks, prominent Democrats such as Obama 2012 campaign manager Jim Messina questioned why Warren would put the party on the defensive following the disastrous confirmation hearings for Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, which ended up being a huge momentum boost for the GOP if polls, show, if polls showing huge jumps in party enthusiasm are any indication. And yes, that is true. Uh, midterm elections are less than three weeks away, and a lot of indications do show that the GOP did get a boost uh, from the 
everything related to the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation. Uh, midterm elections usually don't go well for the political party that controls the White House. Uh, if you remember Barack Obama in 2010, that midterm election, the House of Representatives went from a Democratic majority to a Republican majority. And then in the second midterm election, in Obama's second term, the Senate then went from a Democratic majority to a Republican majority. Now you have Donald Trump in the White House, who's a Republican. And a lot of the attention is going to be on this midterm election. Right now, the GOP has a supermajority. Donald Trump is in the White House. The Republicans control both the Senate and the House of Representatives. On top of that, Donald Trump has already appointed two justices to the Supreme Court. The Democrats are making a very strong push to try to break up that supermajority if they could take back the House of Representatives and maybe even somehow take back the Senate. But seeing everything that happened over the course of Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation, uh, it's likely that what had happened there um, energized the GOP base. And now you have this come out. And uh, as Jim Messina is saying that with, you know, at the time, whenever this announcement came out 22 days before a crucial election where we must win House and Senate to save America, why did Elizabeth Warren have to do her announcement now? Why can't Dems ever stay focused? He said this in a tweet that day. Speaking of energizing the GOP base, uh, Trump took to Twitter that same day because, of course, he did. And he tweeted this out. He said, Pocahontas, the bad version, sometimes referred to as Elizabeth Warren, is getting slammed. She took a bogus DNA test and it showed that she may be 1 1,024th, far less than the average American. Now Cherokee Nation denies her DNA test is useless, even they don't want her phony. Now that her claims of being Indian heritage have turned out to be a scam and a lie, Elizabeth Warren should apologize for perpetrating this fraud against the American public. Harvard called her a person of color, amazing con, and would not have taken her otherwise. Now that last part of his tweet, um, only half of that is true. Uh, as far as they would not have taken her otherwise, uh, well, she's already released documents showing that that part is not true. But as far as Harvard calling her a person of color, uh, an old article from the Harvard Crimson, that's the Harvard newspaper, has surfaced. This is written back in 1996. And the article is entitled, Survey, Diversity Lacking at HLS. HLS is Harvard Law School. Uh, it starts out, a majority of Harvard Law School students are unhappy with the level of representation of women and minorities on the law school faculty, according to a recent survey. The survey, distributed last May by the Coalition for Civil Rights, reported that 83% of respondents believe the number of minority women on the law school faculty is inadequate. More than half of students surveyed also expressed disappointment with the low low representation of white women, minority men, and openly gay, lesbian, or bisexual faculty members at the law school. And then further down in the article, of 71 current law school professors and assistant pro uh, professors, 11 are women, 5 are black, 1 is Native American, and 1 is Hispanic. 
said Mike Chimura, spokesperson for the law school. Although the conventional wisdom among students and faculty is that the law school faculty includes no minority women, Chimura said professor of law Elizabeth Warren is Native American. Now, the article talks about a lack of diversity at Harvard Law School back when this was written back in 1996. And I don't know if anything, maybe it was just Harvard Law School just trying to show that they do have some diversity because in the article it says 11 are women, five are black, one is Native American, and one is Hispanic. So 11 women, six are, are I'm sorry, see, five are black. So four are white, five are black one Native American and one Hispanic. Uh, for all we know, I mean, this is 1996. For all we know, this could have just been Harvard Law School saying, well, here you go. Look at this. See, we do have, we do have diversity. And nowhere does it say that anyone was hired because of their race or because of their background. It's just saying that they do have some diversity there. Probably not as much as they would have liked at the time, but they do have some. I won't spend too much more time on this one topic, but um, Monday certainly was an eventful day uh, from start even on into the evening. Um, By the time this math correction came out and people started having fun with this, uh, people immediately stopped talking about Elizabeth Warren's Native American heritage. Well, except for the people who were making jokes about it, but people who support Senator Warren and people who support Democrats immediately stop talking about it. And with that, we will stop talking about it. And we will go on into the following day, Tuesday. Oh my. Do you remember Stormy Daniels filing a defamation lawsuit against President Trump? The lawsuit was filed in late April, and it pertains to a tweet from Donald Trump in April. Uh, That tweet was on April 18th, to be exact. And the whole point of the tweet was that... So originally, Stormy Daniels had said that she wanted to go public with her affair with Donald Trump back in 2011. And then uh, there was a man who had threatened her. Uh, She released a sketch of that man. If you remember, it kind of looked like Tom Brady, but with more hair. It looked... It was... uh, People were having fun with this whenever it came out. And in this tweet, Donald Trump called it a con job and called Stormy Daniels a liar. So uh, the lawsuit said that she had suffered damages in excess of $75,000. This article from CNN on April 30th says, By calling the incident a con job, Mr. Trump's statement would be understood to state that Ms. Clifford was fabricating the crime and the existence of the assailant both of which are prohibited under New York law, as well as the law of numerous other states. And this is what her lawyer, Michael Avenatti, had written in that lawsuit. It was apparent that Mr. Trump meant to convey that Ms. Clifford is a liar, someone who should not be trusted, that her claims, her, her claims about the threatening encounter are false, and that she was falsely accusing the individual depicted in the sketch of committing a crime where no crime had been committed. Mr. Trump made his statement either knowing it was false had serious doubts about the truth of his statement, or made the statement with reckless disregard for its truth or falsity. Uh, President Trump, uh, through his lawyer, had asked for that case to be thrown out. And fast forward to this past Tuesday, which was October 16th, and 
that was exactly what happened. Uh, it was tossed out by District Judge James S. Otero. And Judge Otero wrote, The court agrees with Mr. Trump's argument because the tweet in question constitutes rhetorical hyperbole normally associated with politics and public discourse in the United States. The First Amendment protects this type of rhetorical statement. In addition to dismissing the lawsuit, this is according to CNN, Otero ruled Trump is entitled to attorney's fees. So not only was the defamation suit thrown out, but Stormy Daniels uh, is to pay Donald Trump's attorney fees for this. Now, this, of course, was pretty big news on Tuesday, but this was not the biggest news from Tuesday. Oh, not even close. Uh, So Donald Trump, because of course he did, once again, took to Twitter. He took to Twitter to celebrate his victory because the defamation suit against him had just been thrown out. So Donald Trump takes to Twitter and he has this to say, um, I'm going to try to get through all of this without laughing. I have laughed every time I've looked at this. I'm going to try not to now, but I can't make any promises. Federal judge throws out Stormy Daniels lawsuit versus Trump. Trump is entitled to full legal fees at Fox News. Great. Now I can go after Horseface and her third-rate lawyer in the great state of Texas. <laughs> she will confirm the letter she signed. She knows nothing about me. A total con. <laughs> the President of the United States of America wanted to insult a woman... So he insults her looks by calling her horse face. This dude, yes, I did just call the president this dude. This is America. I can do that. This dude actually tweeted this. He called her horse face. Now, one thing about this is that you could easily turn this around back on him. Because you have to remember that the whole the whole connection between Stormy Daniels and Donald Trump is that Donald Trump had sex with Stormy Daniels back in 2006, and 10 years later, his lawyer, well, lawyer at the time, Michael Cohen, paid Stormy Daniels $130,000 to stay quiet about it. This was hush money that that uh, he gave to her, and that's really at the very core of this whole thing, but now... He is calling her, he has called her horse face, but could you say that even though he's taking a jab at her, isn't maybe he also taking a jab at, uh, I don't know, his own standards maybe? But for the rest of the day on Tuesday, and even days following, this, this tweet, this tweet right here has been at the forefront. Not that Donald Trump was having sex with Stormy Daniels while his wife was at home with their infant son. Not that he paid her hush money. No, all the rage for those few days has been that he insulted a woman by calling her horse face. Okay, well, first of all, this is Donald Trump we're talking about, and he has said way worse about women before. 
So I really don't know why people are surprised. Now, this does not mean that I'm condoning what he said. Obviously not. I honestly think that he could have done without doing that. And I also think that this whole thing is incredibly stupid. At the same time, that is funny. I mean, the fact that a sitting president had actually tweeted that out is just funny to me. That is hilarious. Something can be funny and also be embarrassing at the same time. Yes, that is very embarrassing. And I have no vested interest in either the left or the right, really. And I look at this and I just think it's stupid all around. And it doesn't stop there. No, because Stormy tweeted back. What she did was she retweeted Donald Trump's tweet and she she um, added this to it. She did a quote tweet and she said, ladies and gentlemen, may I present your president? In addition to his um, shortcomings, he has demonstrated his incompetence, hatred of women and lack of self-control on Twitter again in all caps and perhaps a penchant for bestiality game on tiny. So here we are America in 2018 we have the president of the United States in a Twitter feud with a porn star where he is attacking her looks and she is attacking his, uh, well, you know, I would say that maybe this is peak 2018. Like maybe 2018 has reached its peak with this exact moment, but I've said that so many times over the course of this year, And it's led me to believe that this is probably not it. There is probably going to be something else that is even worse than this. We'll just keep watching. It's, it's the middle of October. Um, we'll see what happens. Two and a half months to go before 2019. So this past Monday, Elizabeth Warren's big announcement, which turned out to really be not so big of an announcement. And then, everything that I just went through that happened on Tuesday. And then we go into something that isn't so lighthearted, isn't so lighthearted, but is actually quite dark. Um, You've probably been following what's been going on with Jamal Khashoggi. He's been missing since October 2nd. Uh, The last place he was seen was at the Saudi Arabian consulate in Turkey Uh, He was there to file marriage paperwork. He was set to marry his fiancée, who is from Turkey. Her name is Hatice Asinges. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, Last time he was seen, he was seen on surveillance footage entering the Saudi Arabian consulate. Uh, There is no footage of him leaving. Khashoggi was a Saudi Arabian journalist. Um... One thing about him is that he was very critical of the Saudi Arabian government, particularly critical of domestic policies enforced by the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, his name, Mohammed bin Salman. Uh, People call him MBS. And he had criticisms of of MBS. Uh, For one thing, MBS was trying to show off this image that Saudi Arabia was going to become much more moderate. Um, 
he had made some changes. Like, for example, for the longest time, women were not allowed to drive in Saudi Arabia. He changed that, and women were allowed to drive. And But at the same time, he was trying to crack down on dissent within the country. And this is something that Khashoggi did not agree with. And he had wrote about this, and it angered the crown prince and it angered him so much that Khashoggi left the country. He moved to the United States, uh, to Virginia, and he began writing columns for the Washington post. Now, one thing that is very ironic here, uh, the Washington post published the last column that Khashoggi wrote before his disappearance. And the, what he wrote was an opinion column and it was entitled, what the Arab world needs most is free expression. And looking at the title of that column and looking at the events that have passed and looking at what really happened with his disappearance, that is really creepy, first of all. Second, um, it is believed that Saudi Arabia had this man killed because they did not like the things that he was saying. He's a journalist. He is he is writing. He is speaking his own mind. He is saying what he thinks needs to be said. That is, that is one thing about journalism. Now, as someone who works in the journalism field, seeing what has happened to this man and thinking everything associated with it, that is terrifying. Now, of course, my journalism career is here in America. Here in America, the press has certain freedoms and certain protections. Uh, one of those is being critical of governments, whether it be the federal government, state governments, local governments, what have you. The press here in America enjoys that kind of freedom. And rightfully so, because the press is meant to be a watchdog, to watch what the government is doing, ensure that there is nothing the government's doing that they're not supposed to be doing. Now, one thing to take note of with this is that according to some different news reports, uh, the Saudi Arabian government had tried to convince him to return to Saudi Arabia before his disappearance. Uh, for example, from CNN on October 11th, uh, in this, in this report, friends of Khashoggi said the Saudi government and pro Saudi government think tanks tried to convince Khashoggi that it was safe to return to to Saudi Arabia. Uh, according to one friend, uh, officials at the Saudi embassy in Washington, D.C. would treat him nicely while trying to convince him it was safe to return. Uh, from the Washington Post, on October 10th, the crown prince tried to lure Khashoggi back to Saudi Arabia. According to information intercepted by U.S. intelligence, MBS offered Khashoggi a high-level job working for the government and protection and says that he never accepted that offer. So that makes his disappearance seem even more bizarre. Now, in the beginning, Saudi Arabia had came out and said that they knew nothing about, about his disappearance. Um, but Turkey was saying, was saying otherwise. Uh, in fact, uh, Turkish investigators were saying that they had proof that Khashoggi was killed inside the Saudi Arabian consulate at Turkey. 
Uh, they said they, they claimed they had recordings that proved that Kashagi that he was murdered and that his body was dismembered while he was inside the consulate. Now, remember, again, he was never seen leaving. His fiance was sitting outside the consulate while he went inside. She never saw him leave. There's surveillance footage that shows him walking in. There's no video evidence that shows him walking out. Originally, Saudi Arabia had said that he did leave, which is very bold, I think. Uh, no evidence of him leaving. However, Saudi Arabia insisted that he did leave the consulate that day, but he's not going to leave the consulate and just disappear from his fiance, who is waiting outside for him while he's inside getting marriage paperwork. Is he? I, I don't. I don't think so. I, that would be so very bizarre if that were the case. And then it gets even crazier. Uh, a Turkish newspaper called the Daily Sabah. Published a report on October 11th that said that 15 Saudis flew into Turkey on private jets. And they flew there with the purpose to target Khashoggi. Uh, the Daily Saba sister publication, a newspaper simply called The Saba, had revealed the identities of these 15 Saudis. One of these men is a person named Maher Abdulaziz Mutreb. He is a Saudi diplomat. Uh, who was assigned to the Saudi Arabian embassy in London back in 2007. And upon further research of this person, there is several photographs of him traveling with MBS around the United States and also around Europe. So this is a person who is close to the crown prince. Another man who was identified, a man named Salah Muhammad Atubayigi, he is a forensic expert. It turns out that this is a person who works within Saudi Arabia's interior ministry at the forensic medicine department. Uh, according to Turkish media reports, he was tasked with cleaning up evidence at the scene of Khashoggi's murder. So what they're saying is that 15 men flew to Turkey from Saudi Arabia on private jets because they knew that he was going to be there they knew he was going to be in Turkey, and they somehow knew that he was going to the consulate, which is so very strange. And they met him while he was inside the consulate. They cornered him. They interrogated him. They beat him. They murdered him, and they dismembered him. And now he is nowhere to be found. Another thing that is very bizarre is that, according to a CNN report, U.S. intelligence has intercepts of Saudi officials discussing a plan to get Khashoggi back to Saudi Arabia. Uh, that, According to that CNN report, that same U.S. official said it is unclear if the, if the original plan was to murder Khashoggi or if a plan to kidnap him at the consulate went foul. So either the 15 men, so where we are right now is that the 15 men were either supposed to go there, interrogate him, kidnap him, drag him back to Saudi Arabia, or meet him at the consulate, murder him there, dispose of his remains. That is, that is awful. Either of those plots are awful. Now, as far as Turkey saying that they have proof that he was killed, if they have this proof, can they just go ahead and release it? Because, well, first of all, Saudi Arabia is an ally is an ally of the United States. Saudi Arabia is buying weapons from the United States. And 
all of us back here in America would certainly hate to know that one of our allies who buys weapons from us does something so evil and so grotesque all because you don't like what this person is saying about you. That is horrible. But at the, but more importantly, this man left behind a fiancé who saw him walk into the consulate, never saw him again after that. I don't know what he left behind as far as family, close friends, acquaintances, whatever, but there are people close to him who are still... He was last. He disappeared on October second. It's been more than two weeks. What has happened to this man? If Turkey has this proof, and they can prove that he was killed inside the consulate by fifteen Saudis, can they just go ahead and release that? President Trump did a interview with reporters on Monday morning, October. That was October the fifteenth, and. Trump had reiterated that Saudi Arabia did not know what had happened. And then he he threw out this suggestion that it could have been done by rogue killers, which around that same time, it was being reported. The Wall Street Journal put out a news report that said that the Saudi government was considering saying that rogue operatives had killed this man by mistake in an interrogation gone wrong. So these 15 men apparently took it upon themselves to get on private jets, fly to Turkey. Somehow they knew this man was going to be at the Saudi consulate in Turkey. And they met him there, decided to interrogate him, and then things went south, and he ended up dead. Right. Sure. I'm pretty... Yeah. Uh, we're supposed to believe that? Trump has also been really careful about about his words uh, relating to this. Um, and there was one thing he said that now the United States has this weapons deal with Saudi Arabia. It's worth like... $350 billion over 10 years. Uh, the U.S. has already received $110 billion from it. And Trump is worried that Saudi Arabia would pull out of this weapons deal. And according to his words, give that money to Russia or China. Uh, he also did an interview with 60 Minutes um, on October 14th. On CBS, and during that interview, he said that there would be quote severe punishment end quote. He didn't really specify what that was, but at the same time, he just kept on showing confidence in Saudi Arabia's claims that they had no involvement with this disappearance, or at least with now where we are is that the Saudi Arabian government had no involvement. Well, at least the very the very top echelon of the Saudi Arabian government anyway, had no involvement with this man's disappearance. Now, Trump had sent Secretary of State Mike, Mike Pompeo uh, to Saudi Arabia and to Turkey. He sent him to both countries, uh, what was being called by Newsweek as a fact-finding trip. Now, originally, he, had, he went to Riyadh to meet with the crown prince, and they had this meeting, and he walked out of this meeting... And when he walked out, he was met by reporters. And of course, they were asking him about the meeting. And what he said was so weird. 
he said, I don't want to talk about any of the facts. And also said that the Saudis did not want to talk about the facts either. Um, what? Isn't that why you went? Isn't that why you went to Riyadh? Isn't that why the president sent you to Riyadh? To talk about the facts and try to find out what happened? Find out what Saudi Arabia knows? Find out what Turkey knows? Isn't That is just so strange to me. But then this comes out from CNN on Thursday, October the 18th. Um, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo's smiling photo op with Saudi Arabia's crown prince disguised the reality of a blunt, tough meeting in which the top U.S. diplomat told the royal his future as king depends on his handling of, of Jamal Khashoggi's suspected murder. A source familiar with Pompeo's Tuesday meeting with Saudi Arabian Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman tells CNN that the smiling photo op between the two should not be read as an indication that the meeting was friendly. Instead, Pompeo told bin Salman in no uncertain terms that you had to, quote, own, end quote, the situation and that, quote, that every fact is going to get out, end quote, said the source, who added that the smiles between the two men ended when the photo op did. The source presented this view this view of a tougher White House approach to the situation amid growing bipartisan criticism of the Trump administration's handling of the suspected murder of the Washington Post journalist at the hands of a Saudi hit squad in Istanbul on October 2nd. Further down in the CNN article, Pompeo went on to tell the prince bluntly that if, quote, bluntly that if they don't, the U.S. will have to deal with this, end quote. The source said, and quote, we'll take action because the world will demand it and that President Trump's hand will be forced by the global pressure, end quote. The Trump administration is relying on Saudi Arabia for a slew of crucial foreign policy priorities, from funding for Syria's reconstruction and the fight against extremists there, to getting Saudi financial support for a Middle East peace plan. Most crucially, the White House needs Saudi Arabia to keep international oil oil markets steady as they confront Iran and introduce new energy sanctions against countries that purchase Iranian oil starting November 4th. So only then do we know about what really happened at that meeting. So odd for you to walk out of a meeting and tell reporters, I don't want to talk about the facts, and neither did they. Okay. But now we know that the White House, well, at least we have the perception that the White House is taking a very tough stand against Saudi Arabia and demanding to know what exactly happened. What we also learned on Thursday, uh, that being October 18th, um, is that Pompeo told Trump to give Saudi Arabia a few more days to complete their investigation into what happened. Um, a few more days, so I'm guessing maybe through the weekend, maybe by the beginning of next week, we'll start to get some answers about what really happened to this man and but this is this is a very not only is it terrifying but it's also infuriating because this is just it should not be first of all it should not be taking this long and second if this government if if the Saudi Arabian government is really behind this and the orders are directly from the crown prince to murder a journalist only because that journalist was saying things that they did not appreciate. That is very bad. 
That is very, very bad. At the same time, this is the Saudi crown prince, um, Mohammed bin Salman. Now, this is an old report from NBC News. This is back in March. Uh, this is from seven months ago, where 14 current and former senior U.S. officials had told NBC News that intelligence showed that the crown prince had blocked his own mother from seeing his father more than two years ago at the time that this was written and has kept her away from him as a young prince rapidly amassed powers. This man put his own mother under house arrest. He sent her somewhere in the country, somewhere in the country of Saudi Arabia. He put her there under house arrest, and the reason for it is because she felt that he was going to attempt a power grab. Now, if your own mother is afraid that you're going to attempt a power grab and take control over the royal family, unless you have an actual plan to attempt a power grab, are you going to put her are you going to send her away so she's not in the way to meddle with your attempted power grab? And if you're not attempting a power grab, are you going to assure your own mother that, no, mom, I am not going to attempt a power grab. You have nothing to worry about. You wouldn't send her away on house arrest if that were the case, right? One excerpt from this NBC News article. The U.S. officials who spoke on condition of anonymity because of the sensitive nature of the intelligence said the 82-year-old King Salman, that is the crown prince's father, has at times been told his third wife is out of the country receiving medical treatment. They said the king has not told people around, or they said the king has told people around him that he misses her and apparently does not know her true location or status. Multiple U.S. officials have told NBC News previously that their interactions with the king suggest he is not consistent consistently lucid at one point during a meeting at the white house in september 2015 king salman told then president barack obama that his wife was in new york for medical treatment and that he hoped to visit her while in the u.s officials said the officials said obama did not inform the king that his wife was not in new york but the king's comment was viewed as further evidence of what officials already had gleaned from intelligence on the royal family this crown prince is one shady dude. Um, we're still waiting. So as of Thursday, Saudi Arabia had a few more days to figure out what had happened. So maybe by the beginning of next week, we'll get some answers on that. And for the last piece of news that we will go over in this episode, uh, an article came out from The Hill on Thursday, October 18th. And this is about the state of Nebraska, and this is pretty funny. Now, I've never been to Nebraska, but whenever I think about Nebraska, I think of cornfields and college football. That's all really all I know about that state. I've never been there. From the Hill, Nebraska released a new state slogan Wednesday with a self-deprecating angle. Nebraska, honestly, it's not for everyone. 
The Nebraska Tourism Commission shared the campaign, which is set to debut in the spring at a Nebraska City Conference. State Tourism Director John Ricks told the Omaha World Herald that the Cornhusker State has consistently ranked as the least likely state tourists plan to visit, which means that his department has to think outside the box. To make people listen, you have to hook them somehow, Ricks said. We had to shake people up. The new attempt to draw tourists to the state is a notable departure from their previous tagline, Nebraska Nice. I don't know if that's really going to hook anyone. If I were to consider visiting a state and I couldn't decide if I wanted to go and the pitch made to me was, well, it's not for everyone. I'm going to probably going to think to myself, well, I guess it's not for me then. Uh, if you're, if it's not for everyone, then maybe there's nothing that's special about it. But, ladies and gentlemen, we have reached the end of our first journey together. I really appreciate everyone who has listened to this podcast. If you like this podcast, I would ask that you please rate, comment, and subscribe by doing this. It makes the algorithms happy, and this podcast can show up in apps when people are searching for podcasts. Um, on behalf of the Think Liberty Network, thank you very much for l- listening. Like I said, Think Liberty Network is hosted where you can, in most places where you can find podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. Uh, you can check out all of our content at our website, www.think-liberty.com. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter at think underscore liberty. We are also on Steemit and on Minds. We're on Instagram. Search for Think Liberty, all one word. I am Mike Ursery, and you have been listening to the Liberty Ginger Podcast. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.